following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. How deep the Father's love for us. Hmm. You ever find yourself just thinking about that? Everything that the Father went through, everything that the Father has provided us with, every blessing that you have, everything that He has poured out upon your life, how how deep does that love actually run? You, You can't measure it, there's no way. You can't put a gauge on it. You, you really just can't. He just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring it upon us. And John, First John chapter 4 says this. It says, we love him because he first loved us. How, how do we express our love for the Father, though? You know, sometimes it's kind of difficult for us, especially as men. I think ladies have a little bit easier time of doing this than we do, especially as men. Sometimes it's hard for us to really express our love and appreciation. How do we express our our love for the Father? We we know that uh, the greatest expression, His love, is right there on the cross. The cross of Calvary exists for over 2,000 years as a symbol of how deep the Father's love is for us, that He was willing to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer a death that he didn't deserve, to pay a debt that he didn't know, just to show us exactly how much he loves us. We're, we're wrapping up our discussion on spiritual gifts. And what you're going to see through this message today is that our spiritual gifts are actually our attempt, our effort to show just how much we love God. Why do we want to find out what our spiritual gift is? We talked about how much it glorifies God. We talked about how much it edifies the body of Christ. For the past two weeks, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to invite you to open your Bibles today to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And before we get into the scripture reading... I want you to do something. This is going to require a little bit of audience participation. If you're here today... And you're with your spouse. I want you to cuddle up real close next to your honey and your sweetie pie. Maybe put your arm around her by the hand. And I want you all to look at each other. And it's just, I just want you to say, guys, I want you to start off saying it first. Say, sweetie, I love you. Ladies, I want you to say, darling, I'll put up with you. <laughs> you, you, you turn that around and you just tell them how much you love them. Now, in the best way you can, don't get too carried away with that. Just, just give them a little kiss on the lips, maybe a little kiss on the cheeks. If you can't smack him, gum him. But uh, just show your expression towards them about how much you love them. So, guys, I know that's kind of an awkward situation in church. Probably wasn't anything that you expected today, but it brings up a good point. Sometimes it is hard for us to express or emotions. So guys, I, I wanted to help you out a little bit here. If you have a hard time uh, showing your feelings for your wife, uh, I didn't write these. I went to the internet and I found some poetry for maybe you to express at some point in time. You might want to write these down. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I'm unoriginal. This is all I can do. 
<laughs> that, that sounds like something I would write. Roses are red. Lady, this is probably from somebody that uh, she was a little frustrated. Roses are red. Violets are blue. But I wouldn't know. I don't get them from you. <laughs> Guys, don't forget to send your sweetheart some flowers on her birthday, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. Uh, when you messed up, when things are going good, it, it always kind of helps. Maybe, maybe this was from someone who was very, very desperate. I don't know what the situation was, but roses are red, violets are yellow. I'm hoping this poem will get me a fellow. <laughs> roses are red. Pizza is too. I ordered a large, but none is for you. They were hungry, whoever that was that wrote that one. I, I think this one was from someone who was a little bit conceited and self-centered. Roses are red. The earth is wide. You'd look much better with me by your side. That's pretty smooth right there. I wish I would have thought about that when I was uh, after my wife. We were high school sweethearts, y'all. We, we've been together for a long, long, long time. And so uh, was it love at first sight? I don't know exactly because I kind of caught her by surprise and she popped me on the stomach right here. And uh, for me, it was love at first sight from that moment on. So this last one I got for you, I, I think she might have actually wrote this one. Roses are red, violets are blue. You snore like a bear, but I still love you. <laughs> Is it hard for you to express your love? Is it hard for you to express your emotions? I think it's somewhat difficult for most people. Uh, our spiritual gifts, I think that whenever we actually pursue them, we're, we're telling God, say, God, I, I know that you love me. I know that you value me. I know that you have prepared me for something. And to express my love back to you, I want to find out why you placed me here. And God, I, I know that you love the body of Christ. I know that you love the church, and I do too. And I, I want to express it the best way I can by taking my spiritual gifts and using them to edify the body of Christ. I think that's a good way for us to express, to truly express actions speak louder than words. So to say that we love God, it goes a lot more deeper when we love each other and we pursue helping each other in the edification of the body of Christ. I believe the Apostle Paul takes a moment here in his letter to the church at Corinth while he's talking about spiritual gifts because he takes kind of this awkward break and he seems to focus in on the aspect of love itself in chapter 13. So when he closes out chapter 12, of course originally the letter wasn't written in chapters and verses. The chapters and verses were added much later than that for us to be able to go back and recall them and find them and locate them in the Bible. But last week when we wrapped up chapter 12, look at that last verse in chapter 12 there. It says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he breaks into the aspect of love as the greatest gift. He says, desire the best gifts, he said, but there's a better way than that. He said, there's something better than any of the spiritual gifts that we have talked about so far. He says there's a more excellent way. A more excellent way of what? He, he wanted to make certain that this church, that their motive was pure. If their motive of discovering and using their spiritual gifts was pure, then there would be no problems. 
So the thing that was the issue with the church at Corinth is they was very, very captivated by the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. So I think Paul takes this intentional break to talk about love. And at the end of the what we know as the love chapter, which is chapter 13, we'll be reading in just a little bit. He then goes into the specific teaching of the gift of tongues and interpretation. So expressing our love is kind of difficult, and I think it might have been difficult for the church at court. So Paul takes out his pen, and he writes basically what is the greatest love letter ever written. Let's all stand, and we'll read chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. If you're using the King James Version, it probably says the word charity. Uh, The word is love, agape, a sacrificial love. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. An obnoxious noise is basically what he's talking about. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believe all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. If you're a person that underlines or highlights, take those three words right there. Circle and do what you got to do. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Look this way for just a moment. You've heard me say this time and time and time again. Jesus told his disciples directly. He said, there's going to be one way. In one way only that you can express your emotions towards each other. He said, there's one way that everybody around will know for certain that you are a disciple of mine. And what is that? The love that you have for each other. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. As we explore the uh, attribute of love, 
your love for us and our love for each other and how it pertains to spiritual gifts. We pray, Lord God, that as we conclude this uh, study of spiritual gifts, Lord God, that everything would be anchored down, nailed down, and secure when we leave here, Lord God, that it would be motivated by a heart full of love for you, your church, and for each other. Lord God, I pray that you'll speak through me this morning the words that we need to hear. And I just pray, Lord God, that uh, those that hear, Lord, would apply it to their lives. And we would function under the greatest thing known to mankind, and that is your love for us. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Three things in specific I, I want to point out about a more excellent way that Paul is talking about here. The first one that I want you to see, and I think it's pretty apparent, I think it's pretty obvious. We've mentioned that in just about every study that we've done on spiritual gifts over the past five or six weeks. Apart from a heart filled with love from God, spiritual gifts will never function properly. Paul describes it as a obnoxious sound, a sounding brass, a clanging cymbal. I, I picture it like this. I got a big cowbell. <laughs> we used to go to the McNeese Cowboy games, and I'll take that thing out every now and then. It don't take but a couple of shakes of it. Marcy says, put that noisy thing away. She doesn't want more cowbell because it hurts her ears. It's just an obnoxious noise. I think that's what Paul is describing right here. And so let me ask you this. What is your motive right now for seeking your own personal spiritual gift? If you've taken that survey, if you've applied it, if you've gone and you've done research to get a good definition of each and every spiritual gift, what is your motive for that? Is it just to say, I know what my spiritual gift is. Do you want to be more pious than the other person around you because you now know what your spiritual gift is? Or is it because I've challenged you? Did you know nothing at all about spiritual gifts prior to this survey? And now that I've challenged you, that's your motive. I, I, I want to start research what Brother Tracy's been preaching about. I want to let him know, hey, I, I've taken your challenge seriously. I know what my spiritual gift is. Is that your motive? Or is it because you want to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? I hope that's your motive. I hope that your love for him and his love for you is driving you to learn how to serve him better and serve his church better. Are you attempting to use a spiritual gift that you do not possess? Does it feel awkward and clunky when you try to use that spiritual gift? Does it provide any overall benefit at all for the entire body of Christ? Perhaps your motive is wrong if that's the case. Paul states here that a person can seem to have it all, every single spiritual gift. He lists them. He talks about the speaking of tongues. He talks about the gift of prophecy. He talks about the gift of knowledge and of faith and generosity. But if your heart is functioning primarily out of your love for God, if you're functioning outside of that love of God, all of those gifts, he says, are useless. He says, if I have not love, it profits me nothing, absolutely nothing. In, in part three of this series, we discussed that spiritual gifts are for God's glory alone. 
And here we see that spiritual gifts must be driven by love as well. Not just love for God, but love for each other. Primarily love for God, but love for others as well. If not, it becomes unpleasant to hear and to see as sounding brass, clanging cymbals. You, you remember, I think we saw them on the, the Toy Story movies. It's one of them old retro toys. It's one of those old vintage toys. It's the monkey that you wind up and he's sitting there with this goofy look on his face and he's going clang, 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 clang. No emotion, no expression. He's just making a bunch of noise. That, to me, that is kind of what Paul is describing. It's, it has no purpose. It has no use. It's an obnoxious noise. There's no rhyme or no rhythm to it. Paul is saying you could have any of these spiritual gifts that we've talked about over the past, over the past five or six weeks. But if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. It profits the church nothing, and it profits God nothing at all. They are useless. That's exactly what Paul is describing here. Apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit and a heart that is deep in love, spiritual gifts are dysfunctional and useless. The love of Christ can never be expressed through us, and our spiritual gifts until the love of the Father, through his gift, has been experienced in us. If you haven't experienced this love of the Father that we just got through singing about, you can never express your love by your spiritual gift being used. The love of Christ can never be expressed through us. And our spiritual gifts could never be expressed through us until the love of the Father, through his greatest gift, salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ has been experienced in us. The next thing we see in this passage is that only from a heart that has been transformed by Jesus Christ, spiritual gifts can and will function supernaturally. It's not something that takes place naturally. It can never take place under your own power. These spiritual gifts, as hard as you want to pursue them, as much as you want to try to exercise them on your own, they will not be accomplished naturally. It has to be something that is supernaturally implanted inside of you and given to you by the Holy Spirit. Only from a heart that has been transformed by Jesus. Jesus has to come into your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, completely transform that life. We talked about the word repentance in Sunday school this morning. John came with the baptism of repentance. That word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means to be transformed. It's, it's where we get our word metamorphosis from. Just like the, the caterpillar in the cocoon Emerging as the butterfly, he's completely transformed. Only from a heart that has been transformed by Jesus Christ, spiritual gifts can and will function supernaturally. If you'll notice that Paul lists here, uh, his list here is closely related to another list we find in Scripture. Turn over just a few pages to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Verse 22. 
This is how I know that these spiritual gifts are supernatural. Because Galatians 5.22 says this. It says the fruit of the Spirit is what? First on the list, love. Something that can only be supplied supernaturally through the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. What did Paul say? He said, even though I bestow all of my gifts to the poor, I sell everything I have. I'm, I'm so kind that that can only happen. That kind of love and that kind of generosity can only happen supernaturally. Goodness, faithfulness. If I have the gift of faith, Paul says, if I have the gift of faith, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Gentleness, self-control. What did he say back in 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4? He says, love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. All of those can only happen supernaturally by God's Holy Spirit existing inside of a believer. You, you go down this list. It doesn't behave rude. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. That's self-control right there. It thinks no evil. How many of you have had an evil thought maybe this week? Somebody cut you off in traffic. You said, Ooh, I just <laughs> only if. These kind of things happen only supernaturally. It's the fruits of the Spirit. Paul says that's what love is all about. If you can accomplish all of these things on your own, you wouldn't need the power of the Holy Spirit resting inside of you. Mastering any one of these that he lists right here in chapter 13, it's difficult, isn't it? Almost impossible. Mastering all of them is virtually impossible. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it under your own strength. It's not natural for these things to exist in the heart of a human being. We're born with a sin nature. We're born with a nature that goes completely against God in every way, shape, and form. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And I don't want it anybody else's way. That's our natural instinct right there. So these spiritual gifts, they can only function supernaturally. Here's what Jesus had to say in John chapter 15. Jesus uses the analogy of, of him being the vine and us being the branches. He says, if you really want to accomplish something, you stay connected to me. You abide in me. If you want to bear much fruit, it can only be done supernaturally and only I can supply that strength for you. He uses the analogy of branches remaining connected to the vine to bear fruit. And it's through this connection and only through this connection that we can bear much fruit. Because if you remember in John chapter 15, Jesus said this. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. He said, you can't do it. So that's the same thing Paul is saying here. He said, this, this can only take place supernaturally. You can't accomplish these things under your own strength. That's why they're called spiritual gifts. It doesn't happen naturally, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they can only be given supernaturally and they can only function supernaturally. Then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, love 
never fails. He says all these other things, they're going to fail. At some point in time, they're going to fail. These prophecies, they'll fail. These tongues, they'll cease. All your knowledge at one of these times, is one of these days is going to vanish. He says, but there's one thing that abides forever. There's one thing that will never, ever be taken away from you. Number one is God's love for you. Nobody can take that away from you. We can't be separated from God's love. Jesus said, I, I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man snatch them out of our hands. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 8. Rome, one of the greatest chapters in the New Testament, probably in the whole Bible. He said, what can separate us from the love of God? He runs through this list. He says, there's absolutely nothing at all that can separate you from the love of God. Paul says these spiritual gifts, they're important. They play a vital role in our church. They can only take place supernaturally, but at some point in time, they're going to fail. He says, but if you have the aspect of love, and if your desire to pursue after spiritual gifts is driven by love, you don't have no problem because love never fails. The last thing we see about love, point number three, love is the greatest gift and the only gift that will last eternally. Paul marches through all the things that will happen here on this earth, all the temporary things, all of the faith, feeding the poor, all of those things are, are things that we can accomplish while we were here on this earth. But at some point in time, those things, they're, they're going to cease to exist. One of these days, our work here on this earth is, is going to be over and done with, and we're going to live with him for all eternity. For now we see dimly, he says. He says, here on this earth, there's only so much that we will understand there are some questions that I get asked regularly. I, I just don't have an answer to them. We may never get a crystal clear answer to them. It, it doesn't do any harm to research them. We can seek to form an opinion over some of these questions. However, Paul is telling us that what we discover on earth will be vague. He says it's kind of like looking in a dirty mirror. He says, right now, he said, in this moment, the things that we're looking at, the things that we see, we, we see in a mirror dimly. He said, but then, what, what's the then that he's talking about? He says, when you step into eternity, you're going to see everything clearly. When you're face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, all of those questions are going to be answered. Everything that's been cloudy, everything that you didn't understand, all these whys that you want to know has happened in your life. Why did this happen in my life? Why did God bring me through this? All of those things, you're going to get an answer for in one of these days. But right now, as long as we exist here on this earth, Paul says it's just like looking in a dirty mirror. Dimly, but now one of these days, face to face. Now I know in part, but then when we get to heaven for all eternity... He said, then I'll know. I'll know exactly what I've been wondering. E eternity. Most of what we know here on earth is temporary. Spiritual gifts are given to us. 
They're, they're given to us only to use here while we're a part of his church on this earth. Love is the greatest gift and love is the only gift that will last for all eternity. It'll never cease to exist. How, how does God express his love towards us? The, the blessings of spiritual gifts is just one way. God says, I'm going to give you something that you can't get any other way. First of all, I'm going to give you forgiveness of your sins. First of all, I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to send him into this earth. Then when you trust in him, when you by faith step into a relationship with him, you become mine for all eternity. And my love is connected with you. My love is poured out upon you. And then for all eternity, nothing can separate you from that love. I'm going to give you spiritual gifts while you're here on this earth, but the greatest gift I'm going to give you is my love through my son, Jesus Christ. How does God express his love towards us? I think the blessing of spiritual gifts is just one of many ways that he expresses his love towards us. So for you, is it difficult for you to express your love? Is it difficult for you to express your love towards others? Perhaps discovering your spiritual gift and implementing it will help you to better express your love towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. You may say, I love my brothers and sisters, but are you showing it through your actions are you showing it through the exercising of your spiritual gifts? In a body of believers somewhere, either this church or another church, is it difficult for you to really express the emotions that are inside of you? So how do we express our love back to someone who gave their very life to pay our sin debt? Can we ever really express our love to God enough to say thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins? He, he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. I, I don't work to show God. I, I don't work to pay for my sins. There's no way I could ever do that. And the best I can do here on this earth through exercising my spiritual gifts is a vain attempt to express my love back towards God. But that's not going to stop me. I want to know, God, what is it that you want me to do? I love you, Lord. And a person can say that they love the Lord. But the only way to really prove that they love the Lord is through their actions. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I want to show you this. Talk about God expressing his love toward us and us expressing our love back towards the Lord. How that love is the greatest gift and the only gift that will last for all eternity. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God... But God, man, those two words right there, think about how powerful those words are. 
I'm going through a miserable time in my life, but God. I was going the wrong direction at one point in time in my life, but God. I, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Ever deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but God. But the master of the sea, he reached down and he pulled me up. And he set my feet on higher ground. Six weeks ago, maybe you're saying six weeks ago, I didn't know what my spiritual gift was. But God. God showed me his plan for my life. God showed me what he created me for. God revealed through this study, God piqued my interest in spiritual gifts. I'm not wandering around anymore wondering why I'm here. I know for sure that God saved my soul from hell. And I know for sure that he placed me on this earth to do, you fill in the blank there, to serve, to teach, to preach, to be an evangelist. God says, I'm going to do something with you while you're here on this earth. He says, but one of these days, the time to work is going to end. And then for all eternity, you'll be able to worship me in heaven and really express your love for me. But God, but God who is rich in mercy, because of what? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Think about that for just a moment. If you're a born again believer, if you know for sure you're a Christian, while you were dead in your trespasses and sins, God loved you even then. According to what you're reading right here. Because he's rich in mercy. Because of his great love for us. Because of his eternal love. In which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Have you ever considered what your life was like before your conversion? Before you experienced salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ? You were dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. Useless. You were a corpse. You had no life. You had no hope. You had no purpose. Matter of fact, the Bible even goes a step further to say that you were an enemy of God, completely opposed to his love. You had no desire for spiritual things. Verse 4, but God. <laughs> but God saw something different in you. He saw something unique. He said, I want you. I want to show you how much I love you. And I want to impart upon you something that you can't experience any other way. I want to give you something that's going to last for all eternity that no one can take away from you. That nobody can separate you from. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. But God, he raised you up from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and sin, he made you alive. He says, now I got something I can use. You were once dead in your sins and your trespasses. But now because of Jesus Christ, you are alive. 
and I can impart my spiritual gift upon you, and I can use you to do something great for my kingdom. That's good stuff right there. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, not your spiritual gifts, not your knowledge, not your ability, not under your own strength, but it says by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The first gift that you receive is eternal life. The second gift you received is your spiritual gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Isn't that what Paul just got through saying in 1 Corinthians 13? He says, I can have all of these things, but I'm not going to boast about it. I'm not going to be puffed up. I'm not going to be proud. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He clarifies that right there. It's not by your good works that you're saved. He says, but you are saved for good works. God did not save you to just set you up on a shelf and watch what's going on and collect dust. He says, I saved you for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should do what? We should walk in them. First Corinthians 13. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then for all eternity, face to face, then I'm going to see clearly. Right now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And he says there's three specific things that abide. Faith. Faith is the first thing you need to step into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What did we just read in Ephesians 2? By grace you are saved through faith and not that of yourselves. But at some point in time, you're not going to need that faith. When you step out into eternity, you will no longer need that faith because that faith will become to full fruition. This, this is the faith. I, I've thought about heaven all of my life. By faith, I made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior in my life. By faith, I exercised my spiritual gifts while I was here on this earth, but I don't need that faith anymore because I'm there. I'm in heaven. Hope. The blessed hope is heaven. That's what the Christian hopes for all of their life. Man, that is, that is the blessed hope. That is my goal. The blessed hope is that one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern skies. He's going to come with a trumpet and a shout to take back those that belong to him. That is what we hope for while we're here on this earth. But when we're in heaven, when he snatches us up out of this earth, or when we draw our last breath and our heart quits beating, we go on to be with him. We don't need that hope anymore because we are with him. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, with the Lord. 
That's what we hope for. He says those two things, they're good to have. They abide. They remain. He says, but the, the greatest of these, these, these three things is love. Because love lasts for all eternity. Right now, we express our love for the Savior by exercising our spiritual gifts for his glory, for his kingdom. But at some point in time, when we step off into eternity, that love is going to be expressed in a totally different way. We'll be gathered around the throne 24-7, 365, praising and worshiping the Lord. That's all we'll have to do. We won't have to work no more. No more sickness, no more death, no more crying, no more fears. No more paying taxes, no more going to work. No more obnoxious commercials on your favorite television show. None of that stuff will exist anymore. We just have to face Jesus. Paul says right now it's dim, but then one of these days face to face, we're going to see it clearer than we ever have before. We're not going to need faith. We're not going to need hope. We're not going to need to put our spiritual gifts to use. He said, you can express your love to me by praising me for all eternity. Faith and hope, they don't last forever. But the greatest of these is love. Hope. Hope is only needed until Jesus returns or we leave this earth. That's the blessed hope that we cling to here in this lifetime. However, for those who have by faith received Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will spend their lives looking for that blessed hope. Our love for the Father will be expressed and experienced for all eternity. Love never fails. And love was best demonstrated at the cross of Calvary. While we're here exercising our spiritual gifts, that's our expression of love to the Lord. But God has already expressed his love towards us. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God said there's one way that I want to express my love for you. One true way that you'll know for sure that I have love for you. He says, I'm going to send my darling precious son in this world to die for your sins. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the only thing that will last for all eternity is God's love for us. But as he said in Ephesians 2, it starts by faith. By grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Paul also talks about how God expresses his love through Jesus' death. Romans 5, 8 says this. It says that God demonstrated openly on a hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago. God said for thousands of years in the Old Testament, you've heard about my love. You've heard about my covenant. If you're reading along through the Bible in the year in the book of Deuteronomy, he's written to them time and time and time again. I've kept my covenant. I've lavished my love upon you. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, that love was expressed for everyone to see. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you experienced that love in your life? Do you know for sure exactly how much God loves you? And by faith, have you received that love into your life? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity at? If you were to stand before God right now and he were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that question? Has there ever been a point in your life where you have, by faith, stepped into a relationship, repented of your sins, and allowed God to lavish his love upon you? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. And it's only through his death, burial, and resurrection can you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. And experience that eternal love that he has for you in a place called heaven. If you haven't done that, guess what? You are still dead in your trespasses and sins. You are still an enemy of God. You are going completely opposed to God's plan for your life. So if today you want to enter into that relationship, say, Brother Tracy, how do I do it? First step is to recognize, man, I'm living in sin. I know for sure that I've lived a life that is not pleasing to God. And if I died today, I'd bust hell wide open. And you say, I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to make that change. I want to make that transformation that you talked about earlier. The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. By faith, you say, God, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I don't want to live anymore. I want to turn from that sinful lifestyle and I want to walk in righteousness. I want to follow you all the days of my life and I want my life to be changed by you. And he'll do that. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We commit this time of invitation to you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the day that they would step out of faith. Lord, you would give them the courage to step out of that pew and into this aisle and come take me by the hand and ask to know how they can be saved. Lord, I pray that as, as Christians begin praying right now, that hearts would be turned towards you. If there's anyone here that is yet to discover and put to use their spiritual gift, Lord God, I pray that they would be that day that would commit to do that. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. 
For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.